Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Sunday, March 17th episode of Poets and Muses. I'm your host, Imogen A-Rate. You can follow us on SoundCloud, Instagram, as well as Twitter under Poets and Muses. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter at the upper right-hand side of our Poets and Muses SoundCloud page. With us today is Amber McCrary, who's going to discuss her poem, TC Coincidence? I think not. And my poem, Do You Recall? Before we do that, however, I'm going to go over all the poetry events taking place in the Valley during the week of March 18th. There is at least one poetry event every night of next week, so get your energy drink on and patronize as many as you can. On Monday, March 18th, from 7 to 9.30 p.m., Savannah Lutman and Phoenix Fiber Events are hosting the Fiber Open Mic at Thirst Space, which is at 1028 Grand Avenue in Phoenix. Signing up to get on the mic is between 5 and 7 p.m. Tuesday, March 19th from 6 to 8 p.m., Connect and Heal will be hosting its weekly poetry writing workshop at the Chandler Community Center at 125 East Commonwealth Avenue in Chandler. From 8 to 11 p.m., King Kong will be hosting his weekly The Underground Experience at 2601 on Central, which is at 2601 North Central Avenue in Phoenix. Signing up to get on the mic starts at 7.30 p.m. Unfortunately, Ken had to cancel the event during the last two weeks because of health issues. So when you see him, please say hi and wish him well for me. On Wednesday, March 20th from 6 to 8 p.m., Lauren Drexler of Gen Society will be hosting a writer's workshop at KE Learning Lab, which is at 126 West Main Street in Mesa. From 6 to 8.30 p.m., Sonoran Desert Water Awareness will be hosting Aquas, a water awareness event and open mic at Palabras Bilingual Bookstore, which is at 1738 East McDowell Road in Phoenix. From 8 to 11 p.m., Poetic Soul Phoenix will be hosting its weekly open mic at Club Downtown, which is at 702 North Central Avenue in Phoenix. Signing up to get on the mic starts at 7 p.m. On Thursday, March 21st, from 7.30 to 9 p.m., District 4 Poetry will be hosting its monthly poetry open mic at Jarrah's Coffee, Tea, and Gallery, which is at 154 West Main Street in Mesa. Signing up to get on the mic starts at 7 p.m. From 8 to 11 p.m., Quinton Oni is hosting his weekly open mic at Jobat Coffee and Bar, which is at 333 East Roosevelt Street in Phoenix. Signing up to get on the mic starts at 7.30 p.m. On Friday, March 22nd, from 6 to 8 p.m., Rosemary Dombrowski and Nadine Lockhart are hosting their monthly Phoenix Poetry Series featuring Felicia Zamora and Justin Petropoulos at the Fillmore Coffee Company, which is at 600 North 4th Street in Phoenix. On Saturday, March 23rd, from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m., Lauren Drexler of Gen Society and the Mesa Arts Center will be hosting its Mesa Prototyping Project Poetry Workshop at the Mesa Urban Garden at 212 East 1st Avenue in Mesa.
at 7 p.m., Freddy Lopez will be hosting his Hipoesia en Voz Alta at the Sagrado, which is at 6437 South Central Avenue in Phoenix. From 8 p.m., the Mesa Arts Center will be hosting the Wordplay Cafe Story Slam Championship at the Nesbet Elliott Playhouse, which is at 1 East Main Street in Mesa. To get tickets for this event, visit boxoffice.mesaartscenter.com. Sunday, March 24th, from 2.30 to 4.30 p.m., Tyler Burns and Timmy W. will be hosting their open mic for great mental health at Burton Bar Central Library at 1221 North Central Avenue in Phoenix. If you're interested in signing up to get on the mic, visit Eventbrite, which has the contact information for the hosts. And now let us turn to our guest poet of the week, Amber McCrary. Hi, Amber. Thank you very much for coming on to Poets and Muses. Hi. Thank you for having me. Of course. Please tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. My name is Amber McCrary, and I'm a poet. I'm originally from northern Arizona. Uh, I grew up in Flagstaff, Arizona, but my parents are from the Navajo Nation. Well, I am too. Mm -hmm. My mother is from a small town called Shanto, Arizona, Mm -hmm. and my dad's from an even smaller town called Hard Rock, Arizona, which is just off of the Hopi Res. Mm, That's north of here. I haven't been yet. Pretty new to Arizona myself. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, It's pretty big. Big area. <laughs> Can you tell us how you got into poetry? Um, I don't know. Like, I read a lot of angsty youth novels <laughs> when I was, like, in middle school and high school. Mm-hmm. And then, like, somehow, maybe it was, like, what I was reading. There was, like, poetry in it. But, like, mm-hmm. I started reading more poetry. And then mm-hmm. I started getting into zines. Okay. And then there's, like, a lot of poetry zines out there, too, mm-hmm. that I started getting into. And then I discovered uh, writers, like Native writers out there, and that's when I started getting into Native poetry. Mm. So like Lucy Tapahanzo and Laura Tohi, Simon Ortiz. From there, that's when I realized that I could write poetry. So then, Mm. I mean, I didn't like, I wasn't like, oh, I'm a poet, but like, I just kind of like would scribble things down and, and like put it in a zine. Mm. And I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> so you decided to uh, use, I guess, add to your modes of expression with poetry. Mm-hmm. Then. Okay. Cool. Yeah. And it sounds like it's pretty recent, relatively recent, I guess, post-high school or something? Yeah, actually, it's it's post-undergrad. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I went to ASU for my undergrad, and I um, got my BA in political science and mm-hmm. American studies and then I didn't start writing or doing like tapping more into my artistic side until mm-hmm. I would say like three years ago oh wow yeah okay well you can't tell but <laughs> thanks so the piece you brought for us is TC coincidence I think not would you like to read that for us please sure right TC coincidence I think not 20 plus years later We meet and learn we both lived in the same res trailer park. You know, the one behind McDonald's by the trading post? We laugh about it because when you're poor, sitting in sadness is too easy, too dilapidating. Humor gives us another day to live for. 
Jokes only trailer res park kids understand. Your tuba city slang surprises me and I cackle. In bed, museums, bookstores, cafes, the car. In metropolitan suburbs and little res towns. 20 plus years later we meet. 20 plus years later we are sweet with one another. On the couch, you try to speak Navajo with wide eyes. You grab my hips and say in your low voice, Shahart, Shagirl. I scream, stop. I laugh so hard my cheeks would explode if it weren't for my round hazelnut skin keeping them intact. You continue to repeat romantic res words and look into my eyes. My stomach is full of luxury. My brown belly wants to fart with laughter. But I yell, stop because I would be too embarrassed if my body reacted with such embarrassing sounds. The res kid in me has learned her limits. I move and sit on the floor of my living room and browse through an early 90s edition of Native People's Magazine. A Michael Chiago painting serenades the glossy page. I hold it up and show the painting to you. It is of an autumn village Men and women are holding hands, round dancing with the Sonoran Desert in the background. Purple mountains blending into the mango horizon. You say, it looks, it looks nice. Smile and continue reading for your grad school class. I look closer at the picture of the men in the painting. Mr. Chiago is spot on. I say, you could be one of the men in this. They look like you. You smirk because you think I'm making fun of you, but I am not. Your low, soft, sleepy autumn eyes with broom-like eyelashes, straight and thick, always manage to sweep me away. And your olive black shoulder-length hair and horizontal mouth look like the Tio grandpas round dancing in the painting. I like to think of an old you, Che you. Your hands the color of theirs. Hickory with darker hints at the knuckles and elbows. I close the magazine and lay on the couch next to you. I want to interrupt you so bad and play like rowdy res kids in the boonies. But we are now indigenous grown-ups living in the city, heirlooms of our nation, Diné and Autumn, reading and living toward a better future from what our mothers and fathers had. Alas, I get up and take a shower so I do not disturb you. Thank you. So I have a number of questions, some of which are very just basic language questions. So let's we'll start at the top. Like, um, what does TC mean? I mean, is that is that the Tuba City? Is that? Yeah, so a lot of Navajos or Diné people or most like natives that are familiar with Tuba City, like the town of Tuba City. Mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, kind of like a slang word for it, like TC, like, oh, you're from TC. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So TC coincidence, like Tuba City coincidence, I mm -hmm. think not, like that we were both had memories and histories in mm -hmm. Tuba City, mm -hmm. so I thought that was interesting. Right, right. And since you mentioned it just now, you, you said Dine and you said Navajo, and I wasn't sure, because I've heard both terms, and I wasn't sure what um, difference is, if there is a difference, or if one encompasses the other. Yeah, so Navajo is more of an assimilated term okay. that... I guess white people are more familiar with, mm. kind of like uh, with Autumn folks, um, people know them as Pimas, 
yeah, like okay. like like the Y audience knows them more as Pumas. Okay. Whereas they call themselves Autumn. Okay. Um, just kind of like Navajos, like that's a word that we use. You know that most white people know us by, but mm-hmm. like in our language, we call ourselves Diné. Okay. Okay. And what does fucking ask you? What what does Diné mean? Ah, uh, Diné. It means the people. Navajo and Autumn's kind of similar like uh, Autumn means people Mm. or like Tohono Autumn means desert people or like Akamel Autumn means river people Mm. okay okay thank you for that and um, when he grabs you by the hips and says she hard she girl (laughs) (laughs) so cute so romantic I wish I could read it like you (laughs) When yeah. I get too embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> now I, I get what you mean. I, I get embarrassed reading my own thing too. It's like, oh my god, I wrote that. <laughs> but um, what does the she mean? Is uh, she. So shihart means my heart, or she girl means like my girl. Okay. So like the she kind of means like my. Okay. And okay. Dene. and like using the she and then like the she, which is Navajo, and then the heart is English. So it's kind of like a combination of the two, like Navaglish. Mm-hmm. I think that's what they call it. It's like two, Nav-a-glish. like English and Navajo combined. Right, right, right. Yeah. Oh, just just to clarify for my own, to like lessen my own ignorance about that. So Dina and Autumn are two different nations. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so there are two different tribes. Diné is a tribe up north. Okay. So that's the Navajo Nation. Mm-hmm. And we're like in the Four Corners area. <laughs> like Colorado, New Mexico, oh, Arizona. Okay. Okay. Parts of Utah. Okay. Um, so that's kind of, that's like the areas we reside. And then mm-hmm. the Autumn people are more in the southern Arizona. Mm-hmm. So like mainly in, yeah, southern Arizona. So like there's the Salt River, Gila River tribe, the Akama Autumn. They're mainly in, like, near Phoenix. So, okay. like, Salt River is east of Scottsdale. Okay. And then Gila River is south of Chandler. Okay. Then there are also, like, kind of, like, sister tribes with Tohono Autumn, which is even south, like, okay. uh, west of Tucson. Okay. It's, like, a, it's a much bigger reservation. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And they okay. go into Mexico. Okay. And the two nations speak similar Mm-mm. No, they're actually, because... yeah, they're actually, uh, yeah, our dialects are completely different. Okay, okay. Yeah. Because I, I guess he's just trying to ingratiate himself with using... using yeah, I think it. so. He's <laughs> just teasing me because he knows about Navajo and some Navajo words. Okay. And I kind of okay. do the same with him if I, like, pick up on awesome words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Aw, so cute. Oh, my God. <laughs> Um, and later on, you also use another word. I, I don't know if it's now it's Dine or um, Autumn. Oh, che. che. Yeah, so Che means like grandpa in Dine. Oh, okay. Um, I, so like I put the old you. Uh, old you, Che you. Right, so, so it's similar. Yeah, kind of like an, like an old, older man. Mm-hmm. You. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Tell us a little bit what it's about. How did you come to write this? So I guess it's about kind of like an intimate moment between two indigenous people, Mm -hmm. two different tribes, Mm -hmm. and just kind of my thoughts on certain things that 
have that happened in that moment that mm-hmm. like stayed with me and stuck with me and right. just kind of putting that together in poetic form and also kind of in a way of telling a story mm-hmm. um, between two native lovers <laughs> and kind of like the tenderness behind it yeah and that's something that I'm kind of been drawn to as a poet Mm-hmm. I mean, not just because of what's going on in, like, my personal life, right. but, like, just in general when it comes to Native literature. Like, I always gravitated towards a lot of things that talked about ancestry, mm-hmm. connecting ancestry with mm-hmm. present being a modern-day Native, and, like, little things like laughing and, like, even the farting bit. Like, mm-hmm. those are things that are very, like, <laughs> kind of, like, most Natives just know between us. So, like... That's something I kind of wanted to, like, highlight and say, like, you know, we do a lot of things that are very intimate that might not be, like, told in literature. Mm, mm, yeah. Because, like, because sometimes we highlight a lot of stories where it's, like, we do have, you know, we do come from a violent past. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of violence and a lot of grieving. Yeah. Which you behind, would like to. Yeah. Yeah. Behind Native cultures. But I also like to celebrate, like, the the tenderness, too, that happens in Native culture and, like, between Native lovers. Yeah. yeah. Two people in love. Very much enamored. I mean, <laughs> you, can, you can definitely feel this. I mean, that's Aww. why I keep saying, I'm so sweet. I'm cute. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it just really, you can, you can feel where your heart is by reading this poem. Mm-hmm. And it's truly... It's adorable. I don't want it to sound as if I'm belittling it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just it, my heart kind of just like go ah. <laughs> every time I read this, like, ah. yeah, <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> romantic things make me tear up. Me and, too. Yeah, I think I'm stuck in February 14th, far away. <laughs> I'm the same. <laughs> I'm a cancer, so like. I gravitate towards everything, like, romantic. Mm, Very emotional. If we're talking about astrology, then yes, it would respond to very tender things, especially Mm -hmm. the softer emotions. Yeah, and, like, the nurturing and all that. Yeah. Yeah. I I really like, as you said, that you invoke the past and you talk about the future. And in a way, the time, I mean, there is definitely an arrow time and it flows from the past to the future. At the end, you basically, you sort of stop yourself a little bit. I don't know if you did it intentionally or not, but when you said, I want to interrupt you so bad and play like Rowdy Vest kids in the boonies, but then you stop yourself and you go take a shower so that he can study, so that you can look for a better future, if you like. And it was really very tender. There's a tinge of sadness to it because you feel like you have to limit yourself in some ways. And that... Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I, I know what you mean. It's kind of like that. When something's so good, you just want it to continue and continue. Mm-hmm. But then you know that you have to get back to, I guess, the real world of things. And Yeah. I mean, I relate a lot to that line, like, in my own way, where I had to move away from Phoenix to go to grad school in Northern California, mm-hmm. you know, to work on this book of poetry in my MFA program. Okay. And... That's something that's really hard for me mm-hmm. to be away from Phoenix because <laughs> this is, you know, where my friends and family and yeah. my beloved is. But like, even he knows it's really important for me, mm-hmm. and like, he's very supportive. That's great of me being part of this poetry program mm-hmm. and just 
working on going to grad school. Like, even though it's really, really hard, mm -hmm. it's still something we both understand, I guess. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Again, it's sort of this kind of a self-sacrifice in some ways to put off the satisfaction toward later. And I feel mm -hmm. like part of it is because, as you said, we're heirlooms of our nation. There is a weight on you guys, both of you. Um, yeah. But, of course, this is told from your perspective. So I feel that weight, as you say, it's like I have to do better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess it's just, yeah, like having to do better growing as a person mm -hmm. whether it's personally or professionally mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I think that's something that we both admire about each other is that we mm. both are nerds <laughs> <laughs> and we take school and our careers very seriously and I right. think that's something we both respect in one another so we kind of know mm -hmm. where we need to be like okay yes yeah. we're having a lot of fun and like things are great but we know there's a moment where we have to like focus on school or work mm -hmm. because of our past. We both grew up in poverty. Mm -hmm. We both grew up poor. So we know that we want to provide for the people around us, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. as we get older. Right, right. Yeah. So yeah, that sense of responsibility, not, not just to yourselves, to your own future, but also to the future of the people that helped you get to where you are, right? Yeah. I definitely see that, like, from the progression of the poem, though most of it is just very, very sweet and obviously in love. And, <laughs> and yeah. So, and I kind of wanted to contrast. I wanted to hear what you think about this part where I read the last three lines, four lines, where you're saying, but we are now indigenous grown-ups living in the city, heirlooms of our nation, Dine and Lotam, reading and living toward a better future from what our mothers and fathers had instead of disturbing him to you know, continue this horseplay um, that you want to do, you stop. And you have that in mind. And then I was looking back at the second page, like the second stanza of the second page, where you also kind of, it's a similar idea where you're talking about his horseplay and his romancing of you made you feel so giddy that you want to fart with laughter. <laughs> but you said, because I would be too embarrassed if my body reacted with such embarrassing sounds. The res kid in me has learned her limits. To me, it was like a contrast between the two, right? One is where the references to the past, to what happen to the indigenous nations of this country and again the weight of that on you where it limits you in being who you are but then at the end you limit yourself in that happiness because you want a better future so one is a limit from the past that made life worse for indigenous nations but then you look toward the future where you're limiting yourself you have to self-discipline where you say, I'm going to make my future better. I don't know what you think of my take on that. Yeah, I mean, I can see it. Like, the end of the poem, where it's like a self-sacrifice, not only for myself, but, you know, in hopes for my partner as well. Because, you know, he takes school just as seriously as I do. So, mm -hmm. like, that's something that I, I try to respect and mm -hmm. reciprocate, because sometimes I need to read, too, and mm -hmm. he'll respect it. Okay. Yeah, so that's, yeah, I'd say that's, pretty spot on like oh. what you said at the last part um the part with the res kid in me has learned her limits yeah that's like um I guess it is more of a 
a telling from my body. <laughs> it's like just me describing my body and like my body wanting to like react in a certain way, but I'm like I have to like control myself <laughs> because it would just be so embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that I think that's something we're still trying to get comfortable with each other because I know with my family like like with my immediate family people just be farting everywhere in the house (laughs) and it's like it doesn't cross our minds at all but I guess when it's a lot different when there's a lot of intimacy happening I guess between Mm -mm. two lovers yeah (laughs) it can it can kind of ruin the moment so that's I think that's where I'm like okay the rest kid maybe like calm down (laughs) like it'd be way different if I was like at home with my parents or something or talking to my brother you know I wouldn't care right right. (laughs) yeah I mean culturally right it's for me to to hear that it's very different Mm -hmm. because it's something that I I don't like even within my family but that could just be individual family things as well I don't I don't know if that's something that I would even do with my family but uh, I think that speaks well, to the quality yeah. of the family more than anything. Else. Yeah. Well, and like a lot of natives are um, lactose intolerant. Oh. So a lot of us have a colonized diet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we eat a lot of things that our ancestors didn't eat back in the day. Right, right. Like, you know, we didn't eat dairy mm-hmm. before settlers came. Right. Yeah, we just didn't eat a lot of things that we eat now. So I think our stomach is always kind of like a little on edge. Right. And plus, you know, we're there's a lot of trauma within our bodies as well like mm. that we experience. So mm. sometimes, I know for me personally, because I have a lot of anxiety. Mm. So like that kind of messes with my stomach as oh, well. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if that just makes us like gassy people. But, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of things... From our body that we have to learn to limit ourselves, I guess, especially when it comes to certain noises. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's really interesting to hear that little bit that comes out, you know, it's sort of like, hmm, interesting. What, what is it? And I'm glad you explained it. Again, I mean, you, you referenced all of these little things, right, that has huge stories behind them, enormous amount of history and historical trauma. And if you been following the news with uh, separating the children at the borders. Child psychologists, uh, psychiatrists have been saying how incredibly traumatizing that could be and how they could be carrying that for the rest of their lives and also passing that mm-hmm. on. So trauma is very much transgenerational. Yeah. And part, partly from the displacement and not being able to live as Native nations did previous to settlers so not only is it reinforced by physically what is happening Mm -hmm. during each generation but also because trauma gets carried down as you said in the form of like psychological uh, ailments like anxiety Mm -hmm. that even if you don't in your generation although that's not true we know (laughs) even if you don't experience firsthand trauma you can still carry the psychological scars Yeah, yeah I think so definitely like violence on the body mm-hmm. or violence in the body in a very different form like you said like psychologically you know just because I firsthand didn't experience a lot of violence my ancestors mm-hmm. might have experienced or saw or had happened to them I feel like I definitely feel it passed on to me yeah 
and there's like moments too where I'm just like chilling right, <laughs> uh, right. and I know there's things I shouldn't be stressed about and I should be like fine but then sometimes I'm just like but why do I not feel like fine like why do I feel like constantly anxious or why do I feel certain way like certain things and I'm like well I have to understand that things definitely do pass through the body Mm-hmm. And I think it's very much true with like what's going on right now at the border with the children, what they're experiencing and what they're witnessing. And it's kind of sad that the government doesn't realize that how much it's not only what it's doing to the mother and her body, but like also the child mm-hmm. and realize that's going to be passed down for generations. Yeah. Yeah. We still don't think of both wealth and poverty as something that could be transmitted. Yeah. As one generation what i was saying to you and what we just talked about i, I kind of learned that also from i remember randomly um going to hear an australian uh, jewish author who's the daughter of holocaust survivors mm-hmm. and she was talking about how her parents experienced the fact that they talked about it the fact that she knew what they went through she inherited their psychological trauma and she writes about Holocaust. Mm-hmm. And she writes about these traumatic experiences. And she's had things like, I forget if she had an eating disorder. I think she did. Mm-hmm. Um, partly from that. And partly from her parents, especially her mother's need for control after mm-hmm. having totally no control over mm-hmm. what happened with their life. Yeah. So it's passed down in that way, but we don't think about it that way we still think of especially for those who perpetrate these violence they think about it as a per incident thing rather yeah. than the long term yeah i think so yeah i mean they don't i can't really say from their point of view because i can only speak on myself like right, as a right. person that has a lot of trauma trauma like historical trauma within my family and within mm-hmm. myself yeah it's definitely very complicated <laughs> time right now Politically, it's very triggering as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that too. Especially for people who live with trauma already, to see this happen again on such a large scale. Yeah. Um, it's adding to the trauma because you're already, your base is different. You know, yeah. your, your psychological, emotional base. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's it's true for abused children as well. It's mm-hmm. basically psychologically live on a different level and any triggering. It's actually on top of yeah. what's already very, very uh, fragile. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, as much, you know, as I understand from, like, my point of view and, like, it's my body, I also see a lot of people out there, like, Denae people who have lived very traumatic lives. And they're, like, super resilient. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> like, how are you? S-? Like, I'm just, I'm amazed by it. Like, right. I mean... Well, you have to be. Yeah, you have to be. Yeah. And some people are just, I can't, I wish I could be like that. <laughs> mm, mm. I think we all deal in different ways, yeah. right? So that's true. some people become really harsh, actually, even harsh yeah. to their own people or, or people who are suffering trauma in different ways. That's true. Right? So it's yeah. because they're like, okay, fuck up. I've dealt with it. You should be able to not. Realizing yeah. everybody deal with it in different ways. So. That's true. Yeah. 
Yeah. I forgot to ask you, which is like in, in the on the second page toward the bottom you were saying and your olive black shoulder limb hair and horizontal mouth look like the Tio grandpa's round dancing in the painting. What what's the Tio? <clears throat> so Tio is kind of like a you know how I, I mentioned Tuba City? Mm-hmm. Like we call it TC, mm-hmm. or some people call it TC. Mm-hmm. So Tio is kind of another nickname for Tohono O'odham. Oh, yeah, okay. It's like okay. Tohono O'odham people. Okay. Yeah, Tio, or like if people ask if you're from the Tohono O'odham nation, they'll say, "Are you from Tio?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Okay. And I can show you the painting. Oh yeah. Please. Yeah. Because I was wondering about this uh, <laughs> Michael Shaco painting. Oh, interesting. Yeah, you can send me the link if you can't get it now, and we'll all get to see it. I'll put it in the episode notes. Okay, so yeah. can get to see it and then understand what's... People are like, oh, that's what her partner looks like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With a cowboy hat and jeans. <laughs> well, I feel privileged because I've actually seen him live. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, and I'll pay even more attention, especially yeah. now that we talked about the phone. Can you tell me why did you decided, I've heard some of your poems, you know, they're on different subject matters. And what made you decide to capture this particular moment? Was it just because you're melting with love? Is what it sounds like? Is that it? Because I do that too. I don't know. I guess this moment just kind of like stood out to me for some reason. Mm-hmm. And it was like a moment that I still, like even months after it happened, Mm-hmm. I still remember so clearly in my head. Right. And, like, I started connecting things with how we both lived in, like, the same res trailer park mm-hmm. at some point. Mm-hmm. Like, we didn't, not at the same time, but we met, like, a couple years ago and we were talking about it. We just thought it was so funny that, like, I think he asked where I used to live and I told him. I was describing it to him. He was like, oh, my gosh, like, I used to live there, too. Mm-hmm. And we ended up taking a trip out to Tuba City together one time, mm-hmm. and he showed me where <laughs> he used to live, mm-hmm. and I showed him where I used to live mm-hmm. in that trailer park, and we used to live, I think, like, one street away from each other. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I always thought that was so funny, and then mm-hmm. I ended up moving to Flagstaff with my family, mm-hmm. and then I think he stayed, well, he went to high school there in Tuba, mm-hmm. and then I ended up, yeah, like, growing up in Flag, and then going to school at ASU, Mm-hmm. Making my way through like working in public health. Right. Yeah. How did you meet anyway? I mean, it's kind of wild that you, uh, know, you grew up together basically a street apart, but never. Was it concurrently or separate times? Um, we actually didn't meet until a couple of years ago. Right. We actually met through our jobs. Oh, wow. Yeah. I used to do health education. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And. Uh, I worked mainly with the Salt River community, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I used to teach health nutrition classes and mm-hmm. gardening classes. Oh, yeah. And then, important. yeah, and then, like, I, like his former co-worker saw us teaching, me and one of my co-workers, mm-hmm. and he's like, you should come to our class. Okay. This guy, like, has a Native Studies class. You should come over there and, like, <laughs> meet him and, like, come present in our classroom. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was just like, okay. So we went in there. Like, that's where I met him. Mm-hmm. And then, like, he was just kind of, like, really weirded out. Like, who are these people you bringing here? And, like, <laughs> and then from there, I started doing, like, presentations in his class and, like, gardening with, like, indigenous plants. 
because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, he has a high school garden. Mm. And so I started writing the poetry about indigenous plants. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Yeah, because I had a huge crush on him. <laughs> uh, when both of you were living in Juba City, it was at the same time? Um, or different times? It was actually different times. Different times, but like a, a street apart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so like I lived there when I was really young. Okay. And I think right when I moved to Flag is when he moved there. Ah, okay. So, like, we kind of missed each other, but it was right, like a right. year or something. Right, right. Well, eventually you did meet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I always thought that was really weird. And, <laughs> and that was a thing I always wondered, too. Like, I always wondered what my life would be like if I stayed in Tuba City. Because mm. we moved off reservation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I always wondered what my life would be like if I stayed on the reservation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you hear these really horrendous numbers, the statistics, and I don't, I don't know if it applies to that particular. Yeah, that happen. well, that's something I always wondered too. Like, I was like, well, would my life be like better or would it be worse? But that's something I guess I would never know because, like, I know, right. I know with people that do stay on the res, they're more connected to their culture, mm-hmm. you know, okay. and they. More of them probably more know more Navajo. Mm, okay. um, so those are things I always think about. Like I probably would know more Navajo, or I would know more about my culture. Okay. But then yeah, there are the other things that I, you know, taking into consideration. Yeah. 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 And that's probably why your parents moved, right? Yeah. 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 Because yeah. there, there's always good and bad. Unfortunately, in the news, you don't hear much of the good. Yeah. You, the cultural aspects. And, being part of something that's being lost. Yeah, yeah. and I, I didn't realize how, I guess it's not the word lucky, but I, I never realized how strong our tribe is when it comes to like still having a lot of our culture. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so that's something I, I think about a lot. I would like to move back one day and mm-hmm. maybe teach, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. teach poetry. <laughs> that's my dream, though. I don't know. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> Um, but yeah, this is the picture, the painting. Oh, nice. And I always thought it was funny with the guys. So which one do you think? This one totally looks like him. Oh, <laughs> well, I'm Okay. Yeah, you gotta send me a link to that so I can yeah. post it, please. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be nice to see it. And they're all doing a round dance. Okay. And then, like, eight round paintings. Yeah. So that would be, that would be the rest that you were. Is it actually that particular res? Oh, no, this is where my partner's oh, tribe. Autumn. Yeah, where their yeah. their res is. Oh, okay. They're from Southern okay. Arizona. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So my res looks different. It's a desert, but it's a different kind of desert. Right, right. It is very different depending <laughs> on yeah. which part of it you go to. Yeah. Yeah. Like his people are from the Sonoran Desert. And mm-hmm. Mine are Colorado Plateau Desert okay. people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly as you described it <laughs> in the poem. The purple mountains with the mango skies. Yeah, it's, it's gorgeous. Yeah, and I actually met him at the Herd Museum last year at the Indian Market. Mm. I was trying not to fangirl so much, but... <laughs> oh, Michael. Yeah, okay. Michael Chiago. Okay. And I was telling him how much I love his paintings. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I love the Herd Museum. I love that they... I hear they didn't participate in First Fridays before, but now they do, and... They open until pretty late, so I always tell people, like, you need to go to this and see. They have yeah. such a good collection. Yeah. yeah. 
I think their boarding school is a bit open. Yeah. Oh, yeah. is it a new? I think it's it's new-ish. I think it's okay. kind of like... Because I've, I've seen it a few months back. Maybe they added to it? Yeah, I think they closed it down and then they added more stuff to it. Oh, it's time to go back? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'm going to go see it. It's both sight and sound. Because they have the pictures, but they also play bits of music and recordings of people who went to these boarding schools. Yeah, yeah, yeah I've seen the, the previous one. Which is really nice because until I went to the herd, I didn't know that the U.S. did the same. I know Canada yeah. did that, but mm-hmm. I didn't realize. So cool. Thank you Thanks so much. Well, your romantic poem basically made me decide to reinvent my romantic poem. Mine's much more like fiction fantasy than, <laughs> than yours, which is actually a real relationship. <laughs> um, so it's called Do You Recall? We were wild horses running on the plains, galloping with our manes all aflow, combed by the winds of freedom, with no thoughts on the passage of time that nevertheless changed all our surroundings. Now full of eager cowboys, hankering for wrangling, and we are to be separated, harnessed for herding. For our speed, we spring to entertain, For our regality we prance for their pleasure. Into bloody battles we are ridden to face the likelihood of slaughter. But I remember our shoeless days. I remember nuzzling against your warm neck, musky of a dusty lather from roaming and wilding. Aww. (laughs) (laughs) That was the first time I said, or that's what I said last time I read it. Yeah. Was this, did you say it was with someone in mind that you wrote this? Yeah, this crush. He's like inspiring a whole bunch of poems. I should not be crushing on this person. Oh, so embarrassing. But I, I really appreciate the poetry that is yeah. inspiring me to write. But yeah, it gets stuff out though. Yeah, you know? it does. It does. Yeah. You know, like when I have crushes, when I have in relationships like you, you know, this, this comes out. Mm-hmm. But it's also inspired by, well, the the last episode of February, our guest poet, Tristan Marshall, mm-hmm. had written a wonderful, beautiful horse poem. Mm-hmm. And it kind of inspired me to write about horses. Mm-hmm. And so it's this confluence of both crushing on somebody I shouldn't, and also just talking with Tristan about his horse poem. Mm. Which he also doubles to reference the slave trade. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, so there is some references in terms of not slavery so much. I didn't have that in mind. In my mind, it was more about what society, the limitations of living in society, you know, mm-hmm. romanticizing, just going back to wild nature as it, you know, using mm-hmm. horses is fine, but with human beings, I think going back to wild nature probably. It's what yeah. got a lot of us killed. So. <laughs> I really like the, the three lines in the last stanza. But I remember our shoeless days. I remember nuzzling against your warm neck. Yeah. For some reason, I really like the part where you put, I remember our shoeless days. Mm, yeah. I think it's kind of like remembering a day where you weren't constricted. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Thank you. I'm glad that 
Wink, <laughs> got a crush. Yes, yes. I'm so happy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I also, I think as a Native person, I can see a lot of connections to remembering days before, like, settlers and, like, colonization. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then, like, you know, in the middle stanza, it talks about settlers mm-hmm. coming and, like, separating people, hurting Mm-hmm. and also facing the likelihood of slaughter and it's like is it slaughter of like the actual being or is it like slaughter of kind of like the identity well it, it can definitely be read both ways and and when you sent me your poem i was thinking of how this has some because your dna as well and and horses became very important in the culture mm-hmm. despite the fact that they were a farm-brought mm-hmm. animal yeah right? but it also kind of served to help the Dine Rome yeah. as a as a like hunter Oh hunter gatherer? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Much you're much more of a nomadic Yeah nation. nomadic culture. So uh, and, and and that's partly why I thought this would be a good poem. And it references again using using the cowboys as as a reference as like constriction of civilization or quote-unquote civilization yeah where in fact it's not very civilized it's much more as you see you know horses now are used in horse shows they prance they're used to herd they they are tools um just like the poem in in tristan that he read for uh the last show in february the slaughter was actually referring to something that he told me for his poem is that apparently when forget if he was mentioning a specific incident or this was the practice they were losing a battle they got back to an edge of a mountain and and the ships were, were able to take the people but not the horses and they didn't want their horses to be taken to be used and they didn't want their horses to be eaten so they killed the horses instead And he was talking about it in a very traumatic way, both for the riders themselves, because you develop a relationship with the horses that you're riding. So they had to kill their horses, but of course, ultimately the horses lost because they they lost their lives. And it's such a horrendous way to... Yeah. And who, so who slaughtered the horses in the film? The soldiers. The soldiers... Who, who were riding the horses because they were being backed up to the edge of the cliff or something, something like that. You have to listen to the uh, episode. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really interesting what he was telling me about. And so that's like where American the American soldiers? I forget if that particular battle was um, American. But he was talking about Buffalo soldiers who were like uh, African-American okay. horseback regiment uh, cavalry, mm-hmm. which, again, in... in your public education, you don't get to hear about. Yeah, 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 that's true. Yeah, and who, ironically, who were the ones who were battling the Navajo Nation. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of conflict between the two. Yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that that was my reference, but again, I can see where that applies. There's definitely some metaphorical meaning as well mm-hmm. to that, because... Horses are again used as people are used, both native nation people, because they were trying to. I remember when I was learning about slavery that native nations were being enslaved before or concurrent to them bringing over Africans as indentured servants. And then they realized that 
the native people were not holding up well, partly because of all the diseases mm-hmm. that they were exposed to. Mm-hmm. So that's why they move massively to bring in many more African slaves. Yeah. So, so mm-hmm. it's a very interesting intertwining of history. Yeah, I kind of want to read his or listen to his podcast now. Yeah, you have to. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's an amazing poem. It's also yeah. It's about the same length as yours, and it's packed with historical references because he's part British, part African American, um, and he's also traveled because he's a military brat. Oh, okay. So yeah. So there, and he's also like a his historical buff. So he um, reads a lot and puts a lot into his yeah um, poem. Yeah. So that's why, and I was like horses, horses, and I like horses. I like horseback riding. Yeah, and I try to be much more like aware of the fact that they're providing a service. Yeah, to humans. Yeah, my grandma loves horses. I guess she's always had horses since she was little, mm. and she likes to collect horses, like mm-hmm. anything horses now, oh. like like little horse toys or like. A shirt with a horse on it, uh-huh. or like uh-huh. earrings yeah. with a horse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she and Tristan out of me because he kept saying there's a lot of coincidence where he runs into horse. Mm. He has a lot of influences that just come. It yeah. becomes a confluence, and that's why he wrote his poem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> At the end, I'm just like a big romantic sob. <laughs> it's okay. I'm totally the same way. He's like, oh, I just want to nuzzle at your neck. <laughs> yeah, there are times when I'm like, I feel like I should just be predictable and be like, angry native poet. Like, arr, like, yeah. I mean, you know, but I mean, I wish I am at times, but a lot of times I'm just like, I just want to engage in these love poems right now. <laughs> I think that's just it, right? Because as poets, we write what we know, we write what move us to write. Yeah. I do feel like having heard your other poems that you do represent, you do make a point of representing. Mm-hmm. And you know, even in this poem, besides this like, oh, lovey-dovey, so romantic feeling, mm-hmm. there's definitely references to the past, references in, in that restriction of what historical trauma has brought. Yeah. So yeah, that's yeah. true. And I feel like even though I say I'm not a very resilient person, but like I do, like the more that we're talking, I'm like, yeah, in a way, love is resilient. Yeah, you know? yeah. The yeah. fact that you can give your heart to another person and not let your bitterness eat you alive, you know, yeah, that you instead can of that, yeah, have enough compassion and yeah, tenderness in your heart to treat like your family and your loved ones. Yeah, and and not how you want to be treated. Yeah, I think that that is resilience that we continue and that we can still enjoy the happy moments, mm-hmm. even if they're small moments, if they're random or whatever, we still appreciate that. You kind of make mention of that in the beginning of your poem as well. You know, it's you talked about humor gives us another day to live for, jokes, all these things is that even in the darkest moments of our lives, there's still room for some happiness, lightheartedness yeah. that comes in just randomly. It's not predictable. It's not, life is not predictable. Life is multifaceted. Yeah. And I think that's why, like, this is very much an indigenous love poem. I think there are certain things between two Native people that mm-hmm. 
they can really understand like res jokes or just certain things that I feel like connects you more to that person because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they re- they have lived it and they know exactly what you're talking about and right. especially with res humor it's it's a very particular humor mm-hmm. where sometimes it can be seen as mean in a way mm-hmm. but it's like really goofy at the same time mm-hmm. but it's like something that you have to grow up in Mm. or be surrounded by to really understand and appreciate yeah and I think that's what I appreciate so much too I guess in my partner is that he Mm. understands it so much right right (laughs) and sometimes you just don't you're tired of explaining Mm -hmm. I mean to always explain what this is right sometimes you just want somebody to just get it yes Yes, you always have to explain or you feel like you're like in school and you're explaining yourself or explaining why this is the mm-hmm, way it mm-hmm, is. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's just nice to be with right. somebody. Right, right. <laughs> be with somebody who, who gets it, who you don't have to explain. You can just feel comfortable and not have to bring in the however many hundreds of years of history that yeah. made this particular joke. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's why it's so, it's such a beautiful, intimate poem, is that you reference those things. You don't necessarily go into a history. You let the history inform us, the readers, and also your being. Mm -hmm. But you also allow room, both in the poem and obviously in your life, to be happy, to grow in the happiness, to find happiness. Mm -hmm. That's what makes it so lovely. And my poem is just about fantasizing to have that, to have that. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I mean, but there's just as much struggle, too, I feel yeah. like. In any relationship, there's a lot that you have to work on. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just don't really put those parts to light. Mm-hmm. Uh, not for just for me, but, like, I think just other people mm-hmm. that are involved. Yeah. You know, like, just for... I guess, respectful and privacy concerns. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, yeah. like, that's why I think I like to talk so much just about him and I in this relationship. Mm-hmm. Even though there are other things that, yeah, factors oh, that <laughs> you have to work on. And, you know, it's just like any other relationship. Right, sure. exactly. Yeah. It's not gone. It's not always a happy moment. Yeah. But even in this, you see it. You see what contributes to it. What made you decide to stop horsing around and mm-hmm. go take showers so that you can both grow in different ways through sacrifices. And part of it, it's because of your upbringing and mm-hmm. what you have to think about in terms of both the past and the future. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for this, for sharing this beautiful love, really. It's nice to just, just be <laughs> in the cocoon of love once in a while. You know, you've you've yeah. heard our other podcasts. We talk plenty about politics and and, mm-hmm. and pain and certainly this poem is not without reference to pain mm-hmm. but you decide to be hopeful and which is really nice so as i always ask everybody where are you reading next even if it's out of state let us know i just did a thing with the herd museum i was like their oh, guest nice. writer for the asu writers conference that just happened mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so that was kind of the last thing i did mm-hmm. and then i have school for the next few months Mm-hmm. In terms of um, social media, how can people follow you? So I'm on Instagram, my IG uh-huh. handle. Is that what it's called? I guess. <laughs> I'm new to Instagram. So. <laughs> Is Amberry McCrary? 
Well, you send me the link, right? So I can put it. In I think so. Time. Yeah, okay, and then okay. my website—that's where I have a lot of my poems and some of my collages okay. and pictures. Cool. That was originally a travel blog, mm-hmm. like back in the day, mm-hmm. but now it's more of a poetry blog. Nice. So that one is called the Utsafi.com, and I can okay. send you the link. Yes. Yes. Do you yeah. mind spelling it for us as well? Yeah. Uh, sure. It's. T H E A S D Z A A B E A T dot com. Okay. Okay, cool. <laughs> and yeah, so I'm going to throw both links into the episode notes. So go get them. <laughs> and yeah, and so Atsa means uh, women, woman in Navajo. Thank you. Thank you very much for taking the time to come onto the show. We yeah. appreciate this. If you're in the Bay Area at the end of March, you'll be able to catch Amber at the Femmes of Color open mic at Amor Eterno Arte at 1227 18th Avenue in Oakland, California. And that's again on Saturday, March 30th from 6 p.m. to 9.30 p.m. And you can follow her on Instagram at Amberie McCrary. That's A-M-B-E-R-R-Y-M-C-C-R-A-R-Y. I will put her Instagram as well as her blog link into our episode notes, so be sure to check those out. And that concludes our March 17th episode of Poets and Muses. Again, you can follow us on SoundCloud, Instagram, as well as Twitter under Poets and Muses. Please subscribe to our weekly newsletter. You can find the link to that on the upper right-hand side of our Poets and Muses SoundCloud page. I'm your host, Imogen A-Rate. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you have a great week, and I look forward to bringing you the show again next Sunday.